Psalm number 15, verses 1 through 5, from the King James Version, reads, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor whose eyes a vile person is contemned. But he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. He that putteth not his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. Amen. The grass wither, the flower fade away, but the word of the Lord shall stand forever. Amen. For a few moments, to help a good Lord in the aid of the Holy Spirit, I want to speak from the subject, the standard God uses. Let us pray. Gracious God, our Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity to come before you as empty vessels before a full fountain. Lord, we ask that you would speak to us on this day. Give us what we stand in the need of. Challenge us today. Correct us. Convict us and change us that we might be better thereby. Oh God, we realize that there are so many different standards, but we want to know the standard that you use, that we might be right with you. God asks that you would forgive us of our sins, those known and unknown. And ask that you would cover us with your precious blood that we might be presented faultless before you. Now, God, we pray that you would bless each and every one under the sound of my voice, those that are in the sanctuary, those that are worshiping with us via social media. Then, God, we pray that when we have endured all that you have assigned us to do on this side of life, that you would welcome us home and say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. God, we pray for this service today. For all we have is right now. Lord, let us worship you in spirit and in truth. God, we ask that you would bless this, your servant, Give him preaching power from on high. Let him add nothing to nor take nothing away. 
but rightly divine the word of truth. Crown his head with wisdom, not an understanding. Hiding behind your rugged cross, the people see none of him but all of thee. And let your word fall on good ground, that it would take up root and produce fruit. And then, God, when we leave from this place, let us leave better than whence we came. Let the Shekinah glory shine on all of us. And when somebody will see us, they know that we've been with the Lord. We thank you for what you're getting ready to do. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you. Ushers, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. The standard that God uses. Amen. The standard that God uses. This is a psalm of David. Amen. Uh, this week we had such a phenomenal uh, time in our Bible study. And as we were... In Bible study, uh, the word just kept coming up. We kept talking about different things, and that word uh, standard uh, just stood out to me, and it just confirmed what God was doing. As I uh, said, we're journeying, we're on a journey uh, to Calvary, and as we, we, we talk about this journey uh, to Calvary, the whole purpose in life, uh, as I said, is about God reconciling his people back to him so that we can spend eternity with God in heaven. And so what the psalmist does uh, is he tells us the requirements for dwelling with the Lord. And so what he does in this particular text, this psalm of David, uh, he starts off by asking a question. In verse number one, he says, Lord, who shall abide in your tabernacle and who shall dwell in your holy hill uh, first of all it's the person for the question if you're interested in dwelling with the Lord you should ask him for an answer you will not get the answer from the daily newspaper uh, you won't get it from the features the editorials you won't get it from news reports but you will get an answer from God's word. So David was wise uh, to ask uh, the Lord who uh, shall abide in his tabernacle. And so he, he, he goes to the right source. Uh, then he, he, he not only asks the person, but there's the place in the question the question concerning the dwelling with the Lord uh, in two different figures, the question was asked. The place, the tabernacle, uh, the holy hill, the, the psalmist is interested in dwelling where God dwells. Uh, and not, pe not many people are, are concerned with that. The problem shows up on Sunday mornings, my brothers and sisters, which seems no longer to be the day of worship, but a day of pleasure seeking. Not so many people are concerned with uh, uh, being present with the Lord on Sunday mornings. Uh, Sunday used to be a day where, where people would set aside uh, to be where God was. But, 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 but uh, now we, we see that Sunday uh, had just become just a regular old day. But, but this psalmist uh, says, uh, who shall abide in your 
tabernacle. That tabernacle, uh, uh, the word tabernacle is called the, the, uh, the tent or the place of meeting. And so uh, this, this location uh, represents uh, a figure of heaven. The tabernacle is a good figure for it contains the ark uh, where the presence of God was manifested according to Exodus 25 and 22. So the ark uh, of the covenant was brought into the tabernacle, which was a physical representation of God being present with us on earth. And so when we come to the church house or the church building, we know that we the people are the church, but the church house is the tabernacle or the meeting place, which is a representation of where God is. Are y'all with me here? And so the holy hill spoke of Jerusalem and Zion, which often uses, is used as a figure for the divine abode. So uh, when we look at it on Sunday mornings, people ought to congregate at the local church because the local church is a representation of Jerusalem and the church house is a representation of the tabernacle, which is the meeting place, which means that I'm going to go to the place where God is. Uh, I wish I could make this a little bit plainer. I'm not saying that you can't have worship where you are. I'm not saying that you can't have worship in your home. I'm not saying you can't have worship on your job. I'm not saying you can't have worship in your car. But if you are able, hear me under, understand me, if you are able, what the psalmist is suggesting is that we should make every attempt to make it to the house of God because that is a physical representation on earth of where we're trying to get when we leave from earth. Amen, amen. So, so, so man nowadays are not much interested in locations where God is. They are interested in earthly locations of significance, but not in heavenly locations. Uh, it, it, isn't, it, isn't it interesting? I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an avid football fan. I love football, love to watch it and everything. But isn't it funny that we can build stadiums that hold 60, 70,000 people, put it on on a Sunday morning, and we will have crowds and droves of people all across America go and fill it and pay hundreds of dollars to go and watch people run up and down a field? Spend millions of dollars on advertisements uh, to, to uh, take the place of Sunday morning worship or even make us curb our Sunday morning worship just to make sure we can get you in time to go and cheer on your team when they can't hear you cheering anyway because you at home and they at the game. Uh, but we will do that because that is one of the devil's tricks. Let me leave that alone. Uh, but, but he was asking the question, Lord, who shall abide in the tabernacle? Who shall dwell in your holy hill? Uh, there is no more important question than this. Mankind asks many questions, but one's abode with God is the most question of all. It's the most important question. God, where, where can I go to abide with you? Uh, so, so, so after he 
asks that question, look, he answers it. He answers it. Verse 2 through 5 gives us the answer. The qualifications for heaven for abiding in the dwelling with God are very high, so high that the wise man will recognize that he needs help. The help is Jesus Christ who provides us the righteousness according to 2 Corinthians 5.21. 2 Corinthians 5.21 uh, uh, helps us uh, let us know what is required for us to make it to heaven. Amen. Uh, and, and so, so he, he begins to let us know in, in this text, though, he says, uh, how, how can I dwell in this holy hill? He says in verse number two, he said, he that walketh uprightly. Uh, the performance uh, is twofold. The walk in the performance. He that walketh uprightly. Uh, Spurgeon, uh, I know Timmy likes this. Spurgeon says, true believers do not cringe as flatterers, uh, wrinkles as serpents, bend double as earth grubbers, or crook on one side as those who have sinister aims. They have strong backbones, being themselves upright. In other words, uh, he, Spurgeon is saying they, 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 don't, they don't bend over easy. They, 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 don't, they don't go from one side to the other side, but they got strong backbones. They, they can stand and withhold some stuff. And I know that there are a few of you that have talked to me personally and say, I done been through some stuff in my life and I've been through some stuff that would have really taken me out but because God have given me a strong backbone I'm still walking with my head up. Are y'all praying with me in here? Those who dwell with God are, are not bent over in sin. Sinners cannot walk upright but are bowed and bowed by the heavy burden of sin. Uh, but but if, if you're going to if you're going to have heaven as your aim, you got to walk upright. You got to keep your eyes to the hills. Amen. I wish I had some help in here. But not only is the walk, but the work. He says, he says that you work righteousness. The person that would dwell with God lives a godly life. His righteousness is more than just talk, but it involves work. That is, he lives righteously and he does righteously. And, and, and my brothers and sisters, it doesn't mean that we don't fall sometimes, but it means that we keep trying. Y'all praying with me? That's, that's, that's the person that's going to walk up righteously and work up righteous and speak the truth in your heart. The person, uh, that's the qualifications, the, the proclamations in this qualification, the person that dwells with God has a sanctified tongue. Now let me, let, me, let me clarify this. I know every now and then you might slip up and, and, and say something, amen, but you feel bad when you say those things that you ought not say. But the, the, the tongue, amen, the, the goodness of the tongue, the goodness of the tongue is seen in two ways with the tongue exhibits a noble character. First, you have a sincere tongue. Look what he says. It says that you speak the truth in your heart. That means that there are no double meanings, equivocations, deceptions. The truth guides the upright. In other words, you, you speak the truth. You speak what you feel. You know what it is that you're saying. You, you understand that what you say has meaning. It has power. It has conviction. 
and, and you're steadfast. It says, he, he that swear to his own hurt and changes not. The righteous keep his word even if it works against them. Sometimes you say stuff you know is going to hurt you, but you go ahead on and stand on it anyway. Even though it, you know that it's going to hurt you sometimes, you still got to stand on it because it's the truth. Yes, yes, the righteous keep his word. References to a, a vow made in the name of the Lord, which sometimes turned out to be bad for the vow maker. But the righteous keep his vow regardless of the outcome. You are a man or a woman of your word. Say, man, I made that vow. I said I was going to be there. I'm tired. But I said I gave him my word. So I'm going to go even though I know it's causing pain to me. I, I gave him my word. Y'all remember they say, my word is my. Help me somebody in here. But nowadays, people will tell you anything. You going to keep their word? Just tell you something. But I remember when words used to mean something. You didn't used to have to have a contract for everything. But now you got to write everything down. You got to get it signed, sealed, delivered, notarized. And you, I mean, you got to have everything because if somebody tells you something, they're like, oh, no, I didn't say that. But there was a time when, when somebody said it, you could have took it to the bank. Then, as I hurry on, uh, the standard that God used, is, is, it goes a little bit further, my brothers and sisters, as he says, there is... Uh, this, this qualification, he says, the purse. I want to talk about this money thing. Can I talk about it? He says, he that put it not his money to usury, nor take a regard against the innocent. See, the sin involving borrowing. Let me talk about borrowing for a second. Usury, this was an Israelite was not permitted to charge interest to his own people, especially to the needy. Lord have mercy. He was, however, permitted to charge interest to a foreigner, for it is not evil for the lender to share in the gains of the one getting a loan for gain, but it was wrong to charge excess interest or excessive interest and burden the borrower in a cruel way. What are you saying, Reverend? Basically, if you gave somebody uh, some money, you couldn't charge interest to your own people. In other words, if you gave something to a family member, you weren't supposed to charge them interest on what you gave them. But if you gave it to a foreigner, you could charge interest, but you couldn't charge them an excessive amount of interest to burden them. But here's let it go a little bit further. It says that if you did do that, that was considered sin. And you couldn't bribe them either to make them take money from you. 
so that you can get a gain off of them because, here it is, because the needy, if they were needy, you were supposed to help them and not burden them. Help me, somebody. And what the system has done to us, can I help somebody in here? Because we've been needing, the system has systematically hurt us because they will let us borrow, but they will charge us high interest, knowing that we couldn't pay it back, and therefore we stayed in this situation over and over and over again that we'll never get out of debt. And that's why so many of us have bad credit, we can't get ahead, because they have not followed God's standard. It, it, it is interesting that when you go to get a car, the interest rate for some folk, 2%, 3%, 4%. You go to the lot, the same car, 12%, 15%, 17%. I'm, I'm not understanding. I, I'm not understanding. But I'm the one that need it. They don't even need it. But, but this is what he's saying. It, it's that it's, it's, it's usury. And, and what has happened is that the world has made a profit. They have made a mockery out of us by using ill-gotten gains on interest. Oh, I wish I had time, my brothers and sisters, but he, he tells us he that put it not out his money to usury nor take a reward against the innocent. That, that's, not, that's not godly. So God has a standard. He says, he says, but uh, he that doeth these things shall never be moved. Who was he? The righteous man. The man uh, that lives by the qualifications of God and is firm in his convictions shall not be moved. He stands strong while the wicked bend with every wind and storm but the one that is firm in his convictions and realize that I got to do what the Lord tells me to do I shall not be moved forever uh, is an aspect of righteousness and speaks to the security of the believer and what this means is his salvation is a forever product and not a temporary product. David was saying, how can I abide in the tabernacle of God and how can I be secure? He says, well, I just need to walk uprightly. 
I need to be righteous. I need to stick to the truth. I don't need to backbite. I don't need to do evil to my neighbor. I don't need to take up a reproach against my other people. And I need to tell it like it is. When I see people doing wrong, I ought to say, hey, that's wrong. You're treating my people the wrong way. And you got to call it out when you need to call it out. Sin is wrong. Amen. We all sin. We all fall short. But when you see people being unjustly, uh, uh, being treated unjustly, you got to say something about it. Am I right about it? And my brothers and sisters, as I give us some examples as I take my seat this morning, I really want to look at this word standard real quick and I'll be out of your way. The Bible uh, talks about God's standard, but I had to look it up so that I make sure I don't miss anybody. I learned yesterday that sometimes from the pulpit, we miss people. We, we, we preach over their heads and, 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 and I want to make sure that I bring it down so that I make sure that I catch everybody. And so I went to the dictionary and I realized that standard is defined as a rule or a basis whereby something is measured or compared to determined capacity, a quantity, context, content, extent, value, or quality. That's what a standard is. There is a standard in measurement using inches, feet, yards, etc. That's one kind of standard. There's also a standard in our monetary system called the gold standard. There's a standard for weight using pounds and ounces. Y'all know when we step on the stair, that's a standard. There's a standard for quality that determines the excellence uh, uh, that something possesses. And there's also a standard that makes a difference in the quality of a person's life. And it also determines the difference between success and failure, between wealth and poverty, between acceptance and rejecting, between fulfillment and emptiness. There's, there's all kinds of standards. Often, <clears throat> there are a variety of different standards in today's world for the same identical thing. That's a head scratcher right there. There's the standard an individual may go by depending who on who they may be or who they may be listening to or whoever they may be following at that time. For some, the standard they apply to their own lives may vary depending on the occasion or the environment or the circumstances. It often depends, my brothers and sisters, where they may be or who they may be around at the moment. Let me break that back up. What I'm saying is your standards may change. You may have a standard, but depending on what company you're in, your standard may change. When you're in church, you might have one standard. 
When you're at home, you have another standard. When you're at school, you have another standard. When you're at work, you have another standard. When you're in the privacy of your home, you have another standard. Am I getting down your row yet? Don't say nothing, just keep looking at me. When, 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 when you uh, go on vacation, you may have another standard. I, I, I'm going to keep it moving. I, I, I know y'all looking at me hard now. And, and so some uh, may have one standard on Sunday and have another standard on the rest of the week. So standards often vary from one person to another and fluctuate even from one day to the next. But that's not the way with God. Since God never changes, neither does his standard never change. What his standard was 2,000 years ago, his standard is still the same today. What it is for the white man is also still the same for the black man. What, what, what God desires for the rich, he also desires for the poor. The same goes for the young person as it does for the aged person. It's the same for all. God's standard it is what it is. And that God's standard is generally Far from the standards of this present world, Hollywood says that we must measure up to a particular standard in order to be classified as handsome or beautiful, but God doesn't use their sense of standards. Do y'all remember a few years ago uh, that they had to change stuff because in order for you to be a model, you had to be a certain standard. And then because of the outrage that people started becoming anorexic and began to start uh, killing themselves because they wanted to look a certain way that Hollywood designed, that they changed it and then they started having plus size models. Are y'all with me in here? I, I, I'm just trying to break it down. I want to make sure that everybody gets this because the world and society makes up standards and we're all trying to measure up to somebody else's standard. See, the social world says we must become dishonest, deceitful, disloyal, vulgar, immoral, spiteful, proud, and selfish in order to be accepted by society. But God definitely doesn't use that standard evil. I wish I had some witnesses in here. See, the political world seems to say that you can promise, but it's not needful to provide. Y'all missed it. I said the political world says that you can promise, but you don't need to provide. It says that you can be reckless with other people's money, but God doesn't use that standard evil. See, the military world says fight, destroy, kill, do anything to become necessary to anybody to get in your way in order to accommodate your own ideas and purposes, but God doesn't use that standard either. See, even, I'm coming down your road right now, even in the religious world, it has its own sets of standards, many which are only rituals, customs, and traditions, many which are contrary to the word of God, and these often vary from one organization to the next, but God doesn't use any of those self-imposed, self-centered, self-dictated, self-appointed, self-induced, self-justifying, self-righteous, self-standards either. God has his own standard. The standard that God goes by is his own word. 
Bible informs us, I got to get out of here. This is too much. I feel good all by myself. Sister Johnson, I feel like shouting up in here. The Bible informs us that God cannot deny himself according to 2 Timothy 2 and 3. This literally means that God, what God has so declared in his word, he will abide by. Of this, you can be absolutely sure. And God said what he meant to say, and he meant what he said. Y'all didn't get your shout right there. It says, God said what he meant to say, and he meant what he said. God declared in Acts 3, 19 that we need to repent of our sins and be converted. And God will not com compromise this standard. He actually means for us, all of us, to repent and then accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And he will not accept any uh, substitute action in its place. In order for you to have Jesus in your life, you got to repent of your sins and then accept him in your life. That's the standard. God declared in Matthew 28, 19 that we need to be baptized in water, but not before we repent. Otherwise, we would just be a wet sinner. Water baptism is an act of obedience which reveals an outwardly that an inward change has been taking place. And if possible, it's good to be baptized as soon following acceptance is feasible. This is God's standard. In other words, if you get baptized before you believe and not doing you no good, you got to believe this get baptized. I, I wish I had some help up in here. God also declares in Ephesians 5 18 that we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit for it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can become all that God intends for us to be and in order that we might do all he desires for us to do. So when you read the scripture you will discover that this is a command not just an option it's God's standard. So the question is if you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, what's the problem? It's a command from God. He said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a standard. God declares, here it is, I'm helping somebody. I know it hurts, but I'm helping you today. I want to make it plain. That's the standard. The standard, Ephesians 6 said that we got to put on the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God. God didn't give us the whole armor just for us to pick and choose what we're going to put on. God says put on the whole armor, not just part of it, but all of it. Without this armor, we'll never be able to withstand all of the fiery darts of the devil, nor will we ever become victorious on all overcoming Christians. Again, this is God's standard for all of us. Let me ask you a question. And I want to help somebody out there today that understands that there are standards. God has standards that we must follow. If we're going to be a part of God's family and follow his standard, could you imagine showing up to work and all you did was went into work and they said to come to work you must have clothes on. And they provided you with clothes. But you decided to show up 
put just your underwear on. You missed the standard. I, I know nobody would do that, but 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 you see how how messed up that sounds. You 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 miss the assignment. God says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand all the fiery darts of the devil. Let me, let me say this. Give me a tight shot right here. If you don't take nothing else that I say today, I want you to get this one thing. The devil is Real. The devil is real. And if God gave you protection from the devil, you better use everything that God gave you to protect yourself. Because if he's not attacking you right now, he will be attacking you in a few minutes. Because God would not have put it in his word to tell you to be watchful. He would not have told you to be on alert. Because he says that the devil is going to and fro seeking whom, not who he can touch, not who he can hang out with. He used some aggressive language, whom he may devour. So God says, put on the whole armor of God. Let me get out of here today and I close this up this morning. I hope this has helped you with the standard. Don't go to work with no clothes on. Don't leave your house without your clothes. But there is a standard. Here's a standard that God said, and I know sometimes Sister, bless soul, it gets hard. But this is a standard. Sister Katie, God said in Philippians 4, verse number 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And this leaves no room for complaining, this leaves no room for grumbling. This leaves no room for whining. This leaves no room for belly aching. This leaves no room for criticizing. This leaves no room for murmuring. This leaves no room for gossiping. Because God, intends for you to rejoice 
Do I have a witness? He said, and if you didn't get it the first time, he said, and again, I said, rejoice. Do I have a witness in the house today? Yes. When God gives us a command, he wants us to do what he says for us to do. Well, Sister Trish, somebody might say, well, how can I rejoice when I'm having so many problems? I don't know what to tell you except what the Bible says. He said rejoice regardless of your burdens. And rejoice regardless of your sorrows. Rejoice regardless of your responsibilities. Rejoice regardless of your hardships. Rejoice regardless of your problems. Rejoice regardless of your disappointments. Rejoice regardless of your feelings. Do I have any rejoicers in the house today? Because God has a standard for your life. And his standard is your holiness. For the world don't want you to be happy. But the Bible teaches me to prefer peace, pursue peace with all people and holiness. Because if you pursue peace, you would have holiness. God wants you to be holy. Sister Jojo, be holy in your attitude. Be holy in your relationship. Be holy in your action. Be holy in your conversation. Be holy in your thoughts. Be holy in your decision. Be holy in your worship. Ain't the Lord all right? Because that's the standard of God. According to the Bible, there's no room for you to compromise. Ain't the Lord been good to you? Come here, Brother Charlie. I see God's standard for your business. In your business, he wants you to be honest. In our marriage, he wants us not to have infidelity. In friendship, he wants us to be loyal. In leadership, he wants us to be trustworthy. In success, he wants us to be faithful. In ministry, he wants me to be compassionate because that's God. That's his standard. Ain't anybody in here. Thank God for his standard. And if you want to know more about God's standard, I dare you to read the book because in the book you will find all you need to know about his standard. Let me ask you a few questions. How deep is your love for God, other people around you? How deep is your love for your enemy? Does it meet God's standard? How strong is your faith? Does it meet God's standard? How considerate are your words? Does it meet God's standard? How clean are your hands? 
does it meet God's standard? How pure are your motives? Does it meet God's standard? How generous is your giving? Does it meet God's standard? How mature is your spiritual life? Does it meet God's standard? I'm so glad. I said I'm so glad that God gave me another chance because when I didn't measure up, he didn't take me out. When I didn't measure up, he gave me another chance. I'm so glad, Sister Carrington, when I wasn't walking down the right path, he didn't take me out. He allowed me to get back on the straight and narrow. And now, and now, I can do better. Thank God for the standard. Because if it was up to the world, I would never be anything. Can I talk to some real folk? Can I talk to about five people? I'll make six that will be honest with me and say there have been many folk in your life that counted you out, that said you wouldn't make it, said you would never be nothing, that talked about your lifestyle, that looked down on you, talked about your mistakes, and said you would never amount to anything. But God still had a plan. God is still using you. God is not through with you yet. And I want you to find some folk that talked about you, that put you down. I want you to go down that street, blow your horn when you get by their house, and say thank you for putting me down. Thank you for talking about me. Because all you did was help God to elevate me, to make me who I am. Because God had a different standard. You thought your words were going to kill me, but they actually blessed me. You just became my footstool. He prepared a table in the presence of my enemy. And now I thank God that he prepared a table in the presence of my enemy. I can go a little bit longer because I'm not bound by your, your raggedy standard. Your standard can't keep me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am a royal priesthood. I am chosen by God. There would never be another me. I'm uniquely and wonderfully made. I've been blessed by God. I got the favor. Somebody shout favor. And favor, it ain't fair. Say yes, yes, oh yes.
the standard that God uses. The world may say one thing, but God says something altogether different. God bless you, and may God keep you is our prayer. Amen. Reverend Jackson, will you come and offer the invitation as we...